Welcome to Brews Rock, your ultimate backstage pass to the captivating tales behind your beloved brews. Get ready for an immersive journey into the craft brewing universe every Friday, where we'll uncover the secrets and inspire you to be part of this extraordinary community. This week, we fought hell and high water, literally, to meet a craft beer legend, Paul Philippon, at his renowned brewery, Duck Rabbit. He started off a philosopher, but his true calling was on the dark side. Dark beer, that is. So come along as we find out how Paul became the dark beer specialist he is today. Let's dive in. Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience, just in case they're not familiar with your brewery okay. and you? Okay. Yeah, so I'm Paul Philippon. I am the owner and founder of Duck Rabbit Brewery in Farmville, North Carolina. We are a production brewery specializing in dark beer. Started in 2004. When we brew, we're happy and we dance. <laughs> Why did you specialize in dark beer? When I was putting together the idea for the brewery, so that was starting in probably 2002 or something, starting to conceptualize what I thought I wanted to do, it, it, it seems to me very important to occupy a niche, right? To, to have a specialty and ideally something that's not identical to what everybody else is doing. As, as you may or may not remember, at that time, the laws in North Carolina didn't allow beer over 6% alcohol by volume. The, the law uh, limited, capped uh, uh, alcohol. Now that, that changed in 2005 or six. There was a grassroots movement called Pop the Cap. Um, I was part of it, but I wasn't the leader, but I was part of it, but that lobbied the legislature and successfully got that law changed. But anyway, the point is, <laughs> I felt like I wanted to come up with some kind of specialization, something that was, I'm not saying unique to us, but not the same as what everybody else is doing, but it had to be a specialization that could be explored under 6% alcohol by volume, right? Mm -hmm. Then that's a limiting factor. Yeah. Yeah. Limiting factor. yeah. It was important to me, I thought, that it be a specialization that didn't feel false, that didn't feel like a gimmick, right? Yeah, so to yeah. say, yeah, we specialize in bubblegum beer. <laughs> Two weeks oh, into I'm it, like, I'd be tired of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's only yeah. so much Big Red. So yeah. go hang out at Big Reds tonight, for sure. <laughs> there are all kinds of little gimmicks you could do oh, yeah. Um, that, yeah, maybe it's cool to do once in a while, but if, if that's- a whole business off of it. Yeah. Further, I thought, as the idea of dark beer occurred to me, you know, as I'm thinking about that, like back then, early 2000s, people didn't know as many beer styles. Mm -hmm. But I, so I thought there's a world of dark beer styles to explore that people aren't aware of. But you go into a bar or something and try to make a sale and you say, we specialize in dark beer. Nobody's going to say, what's that, right? Yeah. Everybody has the concept. Yeah. You don't have to, like if we specialized in French beer de garde, you'd have to explain it every time, yeah. right? Yeah. So I wanted something that I thought my salesman could hang their hat on. That, okay, here's an identity that you understand, but gives us room to educate you about, you're not saying what the heck's that, but we've got some exploration that we can do. So that's, uh, that's how that started. And that's cool because you have a foundation of that you're just helping people build off of instead of start from scratch every time you go into a place. Yeah, and I tell you, I, I don't think I anticipated this, but... The fact that lots of people at that time, I don't think it's as much true now, 
They were a little scared, if scared is the right word of dark beer, right? Mm-hmm. The glowing box in the corner of their living room said you're not supposed to like yeah. dark beer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we're able to hold their hands a little bit in their sort of initial journey. There's nothing scary about that, no. right? There's no sharp yeah. edges. It's. <laughs> but at that time. <laughs> not yet. It depends on what kind of glass you put it in. But so I think we were able to build relationships with consumers based on that experience of us sort of showing them in a very gentle, like, you know, hey, I I think you might like this, give it a try. That kind of built a bond that I think helped our success. Yeah, you're showing them that there's not actually monsters under the bed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, people are like, oh, it's it's thick, it's heavy. Eh, truly not. You don't have to be afraid of the dark. It's cold and wet, man. It's cold and wet. It's cold and wet. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. Well, cheers, by the way. Yeah, yeah cheers. Cheers, cheers <laughs> all around. Yeah. Thanks for having us out here. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming. The, the, the cap, the pop the cap. Mm-hmm. So it was at 6% is yep. where they capped it. That's did right. they raise it or did they just get rid of that law altogether? Oh, they raised it. So the current current law in North Carolina is, uh, let's see, I'm supposed to know this. 15? 15, okay. That's plenty. No, That'll do. It's something like that. Yeah. I was thinking it was like around 14 or 15. Yeah, yeah. so they, they didn't get rid of it altogether, but they raised it to where... It would have been better That's to get rid of it altogether, but they raised it to where yeah. you can explore a broad yeah. range. There's yeah. very little that you can't do under 15. Yeah. Um, do more than 15. You're asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's the, the uh, Dragon's Breath. They right. do uh, like a barrel bourbon aged of that that I think is mean. above. Yeah, and Worldwide no, Stout. Dogfish Head does Worldwide no. Stout. That's above. There definitely exist beers. Oh, yeah, yeah, But it's, it's a small. It's a small. Yeah, yeah. you're not going You're out there being like, I need me an 18 percenter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have not. a good night unless I'm no. sipping on yeah. an 18 percent beer. Too old for that kind of fun. Yeah. Talking about that relationship, because you do specialize in dark beer, and that's not everyone's goal. Right. You know, it's like most breweries we go to are that we talk to this whole year. Nobody's been like, yeah, We're dark beers are a thing. You know, yeah. it's like we've we, never made a hazy. Yeah, oh, barely made any IPAs. <laughs> no, I love it. We have done a couple IPAs. But I think it was on the occasion of our 15th anniversary. At that point, I'm like, all right, we've been doing dark beer long enough. If we put out an IPA, no one should question our commitment to dark beer, right? Mm-hmm. Although they did. We put on IPA and I'd get stuff on Facebook. Oh my God, don't stop making those. I'm not stopping anything. <laughs> yeah, you know this thing that's really put us Calm on the map down, all over the place. We're throwing in the towel for some IPA. Yeah, we had a number of people. Why are you doing to our IPA? Why are you doing that? It's all right. You can still have the same beer. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. But yeah, we started doing some IPA. Like I said, not a lot, but we've done a few. But we haven't done anything hazy, and that's like we talked about before the microphone started rolling. I cast most versions. There's a hundred ways to skin this cat. Do what you do. If you can sell it and people like it, rock and roll. But I'm old, and I grew up at a time when we spent a lot of time and effort trying to make the beer clear. Mm-hmm. As we said, as soon as you guys leave, I'm running a filtration. I was taught to appreciate clear beer, and so that's what we make. Because so, I'm old. I have a question about milk stout. Yeah. All right. So let's say we don't know what a milk stout is. Yeah. Is there actually milk in the milk stout? So there's not milk, but there's lactose. Okay. Being the sugar from milk. Yeah. So if a person is lactose intolerant, it will affect you the way lactose does. We actually had a brewer here for a bunch of years who was lactose intolerant. He's brewed milk stout four or five days out of the week. And he 
taste. Yeah, I can maybe have a taste, and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> that, that was like a big thing that people have started adding in is that lactose into beers. Like, what does the lactose do to the beer? Yeah, brewer's yeast can't metabolize it, right? Unlike the sugars that they can metabolize, which get converted into alcohol and carbon dioxide, the lactose remains intact and gives sweetness. Sweetness in oh. somebody. Yeah. See, yeah, I, I never thought knew. it was more I've, about the mouth. I thought it was mouthfeel. It is, yeah. Yeah. That, that is part yeah. of it. That's the body, right? But the sweetness. But sweetness, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because it's not broken down into alcohol. So where do you get this from? Well, we buy it from a dairy in Wisconsin. Is but, it milk or is it like broken down? It, it's broken down, yeah. We're not buying milk, we're buying yeah. lactose. So it's a, it's, it, it looks like powdered sugar. Uh, okay. Yeah. So like dehydrated milk. Yeah. Can yeah. You, but it, does it Again, taste it's like powdered just sugar? the sugar. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's not quite as sweet. It's not as intensely sweet, but it is sweet. Yeah. I don't know. I'll pick you gotta up get a bucket. Our, we got to yeah. get our hands <laughs> on some of that stuff. <laughs> just make our coffees in the morning so different. Ooh, yeah. You know? But again, it's not milk. It's just the sugar yeah, portions, just the sugar. right? Yeah. There's other stuff in milk. Yeah. Whey, and I don't, I don't know what the protein right. yeah. and all that good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because I always wondered about milk stout. Does it have actual milk in the process of, yep. of that? But yep. that's cool to know it's just like <laughs> See? Still learning. Still <laughs> learning. Well, speaking of milk stout, too, like we mentioned earlier, milk stout was one of my first introductions into the yeah, craft beer world. Oh, the it. Duck Rabbit Milk Stout. It's such a recognizable brand. You guys, I mean, this is icon in the craft beer world, I would say. Most places... <laughs> If they're gonna have a stout, it's that. It's just, stout. Yeah, and then, the milk I mean, it's stout. just like you crushed it on that aspect, you know. Yeah. How like, did how that did you happen? do that? Yeah. yeah. If I understood well enough to give a smart answer, <laughs> I'd do it again <laughs> with another beer. Right. I think it's delicious. I think it's wonderful beer, and that's a recipe that I developed previous to founding Duck Rabbit. Right, I already had that recipe, and I had served it at the first brewery at which I worked. And it was very popular there. Mm -hmm. And so I felt, okay, this could be a thing. People seem to like it. <laughs> but I think partly was right place at the right time mm -hmm. also, that there was a hole in the market, right? Breweries, especially early 2000. Remember, that was a different time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, people were really focusing on super accessible, really light-bodied beers, yeah. something that even someone who's not a beer aficionado already might appreciate, which again, that's fine. Hey, man, if you can sell it, do it. But I think we introduced something that was unfamiliar to people, but accessible in a way that they didn't know it would be accessible mm -hmm. at a time when there was a thirst for that. Yeah. yeah. I think. Like I said, if I knew what tomorrow's thirst <laughs> yeah, would be, yeah. boy, I'd brew it. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> but it is interesting because at that point in time, like the early 2000s, everything was about like, like clear Pepsi was, right. and everything was like clear. We got to have everything clear and shiny and like dark beers. Of course, I was like 10, 11, 12, but. Yeah, you were crushing them know. in the backseat. Smirnoff's. Fill my bottle up with some milk stout. I mean, Zima. Yeah, it's Zima. Kind of like the perfect timing to be able to make this happen and to become like still a hugely recognizable brand. Yeah, That's the thing that's it's really crazy. impressive to me. I mean, in North Carolina alone, like you can go in a bunch of different restaurants. That's the go-to one because it's accessible to a lot of people. It's not going to like yep. wreck you. No and I think it, it it stands up to food nicely too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like it with food personally. Yeah. The, the milk stout. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to pair it perfectly, what would be your favorite meal to pair it with? I like it with grilled meat. 
Yeah. I think there's a roastiness in there that goes compliments. It doesn't fight the grilled meat, but it's strong enough, heavy enough to stand up to those strong flavors. Yeah. And I also just really like grilled beef. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking about right people. Right people, man. I was on like Beef Wellington. Oh, ah, yeah. ah. I don't think I've had that pairing. I do love a Beef Wellington. <laughs> See? Yeah, there we go. See? Everyone's still learning. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, I mean, skipping a track here probably, but that's part of what I love about this industry. That's part of why I got into it and why so many years later I'm still into it is I'm learning something new every single day yeah and i love it right yeah you know occasionally you learn stuff like boy it sucks that i gotta learn how to rebuild a gearbox today i <laughs> didn't really want to do that <laughs> but still you're never bored right mm -hmm. you may be frustrated you may be there's all kind you may be tired but you're not bored if you're doing this right yeah, yeah. and at the end of building out that gearbox you can say <laughs> okay i know how to build out of gearbox <laughs> right, now. Yeah. Oh, okay next time i know how to do that yep. it's gonna be yep. fine it's cool to have yep. those little tool belt things yep yeah, when I was working, I guess this was the second brewery at which I was employed. But my folks came to visit me, gave them a tour of the brewery, and I'm telling my dad, oh yeah, here's the labeler, I rebuilt the clutch on this last week. And my dad shakes his head and says, son, when you were a boy, I don't think you knew where the toolbox was. <laughs> and he's right, like I, my brother was mechanic, I wasn't. I'm like, yeah, but if your job depends on it, you, you either learn it. or sink. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were looking around at the background of your story, and one thing that I thought was really interesting is that you were a philosophy teacher. I was. Is that right? I was, yeah. How did that, how did the switch happen? Like, yeah. how, how do you go how from being a philosopher? How do you change your life's philosophy from teaching yeah. to brewing? Yeah, yeah. And what did you bring in from that to brewing beer? Sure. I mean, that... I'll try to address that. That's a little bit harder, maybe. Yeah, but, it's nebulous. Uh, so I love philosophy. I, lo I still love philosophy. That was a time, and I don't know that this has changed particularly. I guess my finger's not on the pulse, so I'm not sure. But tenure-track jobs in philosophy, you know what I'm talking about? Tenure-track oh, yeah. 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 Uh, tenure jobs were scarce. And I felt like I saw lots of colleagues of mine who I thought were significantly more talented than me struggling to get tenure track jobs. Mm -hmm. So they're going from one year appointment to one year appointment, adjunct professor, whatever. And that's what I was working. And I'm like, hey, that's, I don't think it's that's the life, life I want. Yeah. I don't think mm -hmm. that's what I want. I love it, but I don't think I'm committed enough to live like that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. you know. Yeah. I was already a home brewer. I mean, I started home brewing in 87 and knew that was something I really enjoyed. And as I started contemplating making it a career choice, and I don't remember which came first, but there's an annual craft brewers conference, right? You, maybe you've heard of it, the oh, yeah. CBC. I went to a craft brewers conference, and I, I was probably like 96, maybe, something like that. And of course, the industry was much smaller then, right? It was five guys on a room. quite that small, but it was still, it was, it was way smaller. A defining moment, I'm sitting down for lunch, and a guy comes and sits next to me, and it's Ken Anderson. Anderson now, Valley? Yeah, Anderson Valley, right. Oh. And he starts talking to me. I'm a home brewer. He starts talking to me like I'm a colleague of his, right? And I, I told him, yeah, no, I'm not in the industry, Adam. And he's treating me with respect. And I had that a couple of times there were people who I thought were important people in the industry, people I put on a pedestal a little bit, talking to me like I'm one of them, 
holy crap, this is an industry I want to be in. This is a cool feeling. Accepting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Um, it wasn't that long after that, I ended up getting somebody else to cover my classes teaching. <laughs> <laughs> and I went and took some classes in Chicago at Siebel Institute. There's a, it's a school that all they do is brewer training, professional gotcha. brewer training, yeah. Took some classes there. I don't know how, how personal to get, but came home, had a little fight with my girlfriend at the time. And I'm like, ah, screw this. Sent out resumes, had a job within three days, moved to Cincinnati and started brewing beer. <laughs> Where did you work at in Cincinnati? It was called Brewmasters. Tiny little brew pub. It doesn't exist anymore. Dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You cannot follow the origin story. Sorry. No. I'm a, basically, none of the places at which I've worked, there were three breweries before founding this. None of them exist anymore. The closest is I worked at Pipkin Brewery in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, while I was at Pipkin, in addition to making Pipkin products, we did contract brewing for Bluegrass Brewery in, in Louisville. They, that, that was a sort of well-established brew pub. They didn't have production capability, right? All, they just made to serve at their restaurant. So we were making beers to sell into distribution, right? After I left, Bluegrass bought out Pipkin. So that plant is still making some of the same beers that I made when I was there, oh, but it's man. now under different ownership. Yeah. So you said wow. three breweries yeah. before this one? Yeah. And they're all gone? Yeah. This Very suspicious. This Trojan horse man. Someone's been bouncing true. around from brewery to brewery, stealing all the secrets, and Not then they out. open up really successful ones. Steal that one. Steal anybody's secrets. I was the head brewer at each one of those. That was the secret. He was the secret ingredient making it happen. Well, this here was something else before you took over, too, correct? Yeah. So this was the third brewery. Uh, yeah. It was at this location, right? It was called Williamsville Brewery. And that was a case. So I'm, I'm, the, the, the owners lived in Richmond, or the owner was one guy, uh, lived in Richmond, Virginia. He wasn't really involved in the day to day. Yeah. I felt like I could see writing on the wall that maybe this wasn't going to last. Yeah. I called up the owner at one point. I, basically, I was running the plant here, but I wasn't setting up any of the distribution deals or I wasn't running the business side of it. And it was the business side that I, to me, seemed like it was having issues. Mm -hmm. I called him up and said, look, I don't want your business, but if you ever want to sell, I'll buy your assets. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll buy your, not the intellectual property, but the physical assets. And, okay, okay. And it was, I don't know, maybe a year later, maybe two years later, he calls me up and says, okay, yep, right. sell it to you. And I said, all right, give me a little time to write a business plan. That's why I wrote a business plan and shopped it around to banks until the bank said no. Bank said, yeah, <laughs> they let me money and here I am. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so that's yeah. the reason you're here. Well, I mean, it's a big part of it, sure. I did look at locating someplace with maybe more population. I thought it was important to own enough real estate, to own enough land that we could expand without mm -hmm. uprooting. I thought it was important to own instead of to rent. Mm -hmm. And again, there are reasons to want to go the other way, and I don't fault anybody, but I had seen some breweries get in trouble where they're renting the space, and then after four years, the landlord raises it or says, I, I, I want to turn this into condos, or I, I have some other plan for it, you're out. Yeah. I'm like, I just, I don't have a stomach for that. Yeah. So I was able to afford, we've got about four and a half acres here. I was able to afford having enough land that we won't need to uproot. Yeah. We'll, we've added on to the building twice since we've been here. We could add significantly more if we needed to or wanted to. I think that lends itself to your success, because like she said, 
She thought you were in what? Yeah, Michigan? like I, we for didn't... some reason, like I always, I don't know what it was. Like I just always thought that Duck Rabbit was a like a north, yeah. a northerly. Huh. But yeah, not know knowing why. where it is, I feel like, and having such a big reach because you said nine states, right? Yeah. Yep. It, that it makes us this mystical thing. You guys <laughs> had that milk stout? It's great. Where's that place even at? Farmville? Uh, it's a massive isn't, <laughs> isn't that a game on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I knew it. <laughs> but it well, is wild. Like, I'd, I've known of Duck Rabbit for so long. At this point, it's been like 12, 15 years that I've known about y'all and never knew. We've lived in North Carolina for six, seven years okay. at this well, point. I, I six, lived here before You lived that, here forever. Too. I'm nice. from Tennessee, yeah. lived in Atlanta, always saw duck rabbit everywhere. And it's like, oh yeah, they're up north. Yeah. Now, the, drinking the, beer is the important thing, right? Yeah. But what's important <laughs> is to drink it, but it's right we, on we, the bottle. We, we, never, we never hit it. It's I'm been, just not gonna look it. It's been there all along. <laughs> she can't read. Can't read. I was in school, but that your branding too is so recognizable. And I read a little bit about the origin story of the actual Duck Rabbit logo, which if we want to talk about it, we can. But the branding from that. the beginning has been so good. Map of North Carolina. I'm actually listening to you. <laughs> just having fun. No, it's okay. I. Oh, well, maybe I need fun. to pay attention. I I'm just drinking a... beer, like. Oh. The the break, like the logo and everything. I don't know. Seems like a northern thing. I don't know. Does <laughs> that right? Yeah. Like crazy. Like I, I definitely thought it was like something in the New England area. It's yeah. Not, okay. Tastes too good why. to be from the south. Yeah. This doesn't oh, taste no. like a North Carolina beer. I grew up on bold peanuts and Bud Light in a truck, so yeah. <laughs> that was my baseline. <laughs> so the actual logo. Yeah. It is a psychological trick, correct? Yeah. So it started life in a book by Carl Jastrow, a, a social psychologist. It's an ambiguous image, of course. Your podcasters can't see it right now, but the best thing They've all seen it. Looks like a duck from one perspective, looks like a rabbit from another perspective. After Jastrow had introduced it, it was used pretty famously around the turn of the century in a book by a philosopher called Ludwig Wittgenstein. It's probably better known from its use in philosophy. Now, I mean, he, he took it from Jastrow and, and credited Jastrow with it. But I wanted a brand image and a logo that does the job a brand image needs to do, mm -hmm. right? Is recognizable, works in multiple media. Once you're familiar with it, once you know it, you can see it across the bar and know yeah. that's a Duck Rabbit product. I also wanted a brand image that I didn't pull out of thin air, something that was part of my life and my journey and said something about how I got here and provided an answer to the question, where'd your logo come from when people <laughs> left? Yeah. 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 People are gonna ask. But provided an answer that's more interesting than just Fiverr. Yeah, yeah. Some guy yeah. whipped yeah. it up. It's better than yeah. some website, you right. know? Yeah. 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 What, what yeah. is the, if you see the duck, and then if you see the rabbit, yeah. I mean two different what things. What? If you see the duck, it means that you're still thirsty. And if you see the rabbit, you need another beer. That's perfect. It doesn't mean anything. I just wanted to know what it meant. I was like, I've always seen the duck. I didn't even know there was Oh, you a see the duck? I see the rabbit. Yeah, it splits. Uh -oh. House divided. Anecdotally, I, I haven't done a careful study on this, but it seems like it splits 50-50. You get people who say, 
I see the duck and I have to struggle to see the rabbit or vice versa. What do you see? I've seen both. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Does that well, mean I'm a psychopath? You no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, you just split our wild card. That's yeah. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> it means Where you're creative. Yeah. I'm making that up. He <laughs> just told us anything. He just keep feeding my five. ego. I'll buy whatever you want. <laughs> but I like that. I like your answer the best. So yeah. if you see this, you need another beer. If you need that, still need another beer. <laughs> what has been your favorite beer the entire time that you've been brewing? It may not even be here. Yeah, I mean, I can't say. It's too it, many. It, it, there is no fact of the matter, right? My favorite beer changes with my mood. It changes with what I've eaten, what I'm gonna eat, you know. Now, I could say it's Milk Stout because it's kept me in business. <laughs> because without Milk Stout, I'd be selling insurance. Yeah. <laughs> but, insurance. Yeah. Right the second, I'm pretty excited about the Meritzen yeah. or the... Is that what you're drinking right yeah, there? Yeah. yeah. No, that was delicious. Thank you. Yeah. Can I yeah. taste it? Again, oh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's a pretty I, I'm happy to. Sorry, you got it. Oh, no. You ready for another beer? I'm down. I'm <laughs> I mean, we would talk about that milk stout. I better go for it. Yeah. It's still so good. It's still awesome. Yeah. I haven't had them in a while, but it's still so good. I, I always Bruce, like a good going beer on a break. field trip over here to the bar. Bruce Ross, I kind of want to do that Big Bang Boom. Yep. Yep. All right. So, in all your research, have you come across the Big Bang Boom? Is that, had you read about that at all? No. No. Okay. I did not. I would um, love to hear about it. The thing is, it's a joke in the name that we probably released that, I don't know, two months ago, maybe slightly more than that. Not a single person has ever gotten the joke in the name. So it's purely an inside joke. I'm not... Oh, I'm going to have to think The Big Bamboo is an oatmeal stout. Big Bamboo was the name of an album put out in the 80s by Hall & Oates. <gasps> Uh, <laughs> oh my oh, goodness. I love all of There it is. Oh, there it is. Found it. I'm racing. <laughs> I'm, so, Big I'm so nerdy. I love inside jokes <laughs> like you don't oh, even right. have any idea. But that's the best <laughs> part of life, yeah. man, are the inside jokes. And now that we know, <laughs> this one was that's mine. very funny. And what am I born for you? Oh, the, sorry, <laughs> the middle one there. Boom. Sorry, this is not the Big Bam Boom. This is the Barrel Bam Boom. We did, Ooh. we have Big Bam Boom, right? That's the oatmeal right. stout. The but then barrel that's the bam boom is the barrel. It's that same beer thing. aged in barrels. You still cool with it? Still cool with it. All right. Hey, don't Tim Tim with the good time. And is the Ludwig Vienna oh. Lager, is, is that the same guy that we were talking about, the duck oh. rabbit? Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. yeah. So Ludwig Wittgenstein was a philosopher from Austria. Ooh. Austria is a city in Vienna. Yes. Got it. <laughs> it's a Vienna <laughs> Lager. Ah. Again, inside joke. <laughs> so for years, our the mother cartons, and I, I mean, consumers don't typically see the mother cartons that mm -hmm. much, right? The outer box. It's not there anymore. But for years and years and years, the top of the mother carton says, 24 bottles are all that's in the case. Nobody <laughs> ever got the joke. There's a, there's, among philosophers, there's a famous Ludwig Wittgenstein quote that's, the world is all that is the case. So that was a play on 24 bottles are all that's in the case. The world is all that is. Nobody ever. I know, but there's no reason for but you to I get that joke. That. I had no reason to think anybody would ever get that joke. But that's it's just because I'm part. a nerd. I'm a giant nerd. But that's the best. But when people do get it, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's the fun oh, part about doing your own business, too, is that you get to put your personality in there. And that's your personality. Yeah. That's awesome that you share it with the world, even if they don't know it. A lot of people are too afraid of, like, actually putting themselves into their business yep. because they don't want 
they, they want that separation. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. So I think now it says, I, what I changed that out for was the little slogan, dark beer for happy people. I guess, you know, there's the inserting yourself in the business and then there's trying to sell some beer. And I ended up deciding on the second one a little bit. <laughs> yeah, some beer to get you. There you go. You got to keep this in business. I mean, because, uh, you know, the people that are behind the brewery, they have a lot of people depending on them. I could joke all I want, but I got to get serious sometimes <laughs> and, and do what's best for not myself, but the people that depend on me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, every employee, and I don't want to put the wrong spin on that, right? They depend on me to make smart decisions. I depend on them. Mm -hmm. And boy, I have good employees. Now, here's I'm, one right now. Nice. <laughs> I am so proud of the people who work for me, really. But you're, you know, again, they depend on me. Like when I'm making a distribution deal, yeah, you know right. what I mean? They depend on me to get that right, as I depend on them to get all the stuff that they do right. Yeah. What's the hardest part of being a brewer? When you say being a brewer, what do you mean? Do you mean actually physically being the guy who mixes the mash? What's the hardest part of owning a brewer? Yeah. My traditional answer, Though lately, it feels like it's gone more smoothly, maybe. But human resource management for mm -hmm. me, I just I have no background in that. I, yeah, it's not something yeah. I particularly understand or didn't understand. I mean, I've I've learned since. Yeah. But that doesn't come naturally to me. I don't find that fun. I guess that's also part of it. It's like I like wearing rubber boots and working with the beer. So th that the kind of brewery we are, where we sell in multiple states, and that's the main part of our business. Each state has different laws and different reporting requirements and taxation requirements. So you've got your federal government reporting and taxation, and then you have a separate one for each state, and trying to every month, okay, what is it that I was supposed to do for Pennsylvania? <laughs> and it's different from, it's way different from what I gotta do over here. Yeah, that's a challenge, but that's just tedious. That's just. I wouldn't be for me either. It's not, it's not that bad. It's yeah. really not yeah. that bad. It's just annoying. Well, there's always going to be things in any job. It's, okay, I love this aspect, but here's this tedious thing that I yep. have to do. The hardest thing, I think, it does change over time, too, right? For the first couple of years, I'm sweating making payroll. Oh, now, yeah. after you've built up to a point, okay, now I don't particularly sweat that, but just sweat other stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. If you could go back to 1987, when you're getting into beer, yeah. what would be the advice you give yourself? That's a good question. Thank you. I have to think about that a moment. That's okay. Learn how to weld? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I'm a welder? No. Oh, I'm a welder. Everybody has. Really? Does that come up? Uh, oh, every, a, every podcast. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised you hadn't said it yet. <laughs> I've been holding it back. <laughs> three times today, I'm like, well, I, I could well that. <laughs> I just look at that's it funny. No, I didn't know. But I mean, but but that is like from our previous conversation. I was pursuing an academic path, right? And there's things you learn and things you do to pursue that path. And you have to pick and choose. There's a lot of that kind of industrial arts sort of thing that that I never particularly pursued. But at this point, would be really valuable to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's amazing. That's so funny. I love it. I love it. You don't understand how happy that just made me. So that's great. I mean, this has been awesome. Is there anything you want to say to the world? Any about upcoming your, events? Yeah, like any upcoming events, releases. collaborations. Yeah, everything she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> we touched on a, uh, a moment ago here that the most recent 
one-off release we did is that Barrel Bam Boom. That's available in North Carolina only. The next seasonal we have coming out, it's a not a one-off, but a rotating, we, we do it every year, is our Porter. We plan to package that next week. That's what I'm about to filter. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. Look for that in the next couple weeks. And that'll be available throughout our whole footprint. And then the next one-off after that is something a little nutty. This is pushing the limits of the sorts of things that we do. But it's a variation on our Wee Heavy Scotch Ale. We bring out the Wee Heavy Scotch Ale every year. And I'm calling this Wee Dafty Scotch Ale. And it's Scotch Ale with blueberries in it. Scotch Ale with blueberries in it? <laughs> yes, sir. Interesting. I hope so. I don't even know what that would taste like. I don't either. We'll see. <laughs> is that going to be just here, or is it going to be distributed North as well? Carolina, just North okay. Carolina. Yeah. Well, so it'll, it'll be out. It'll be out in stores and whatnot, but in North Carolina only. When is that dropping? I'm going to have to look at my calendar, but I want to say mid-November. Okay. Ish. Well, you yeah. gotta let us know. We'll, I like we'll the berries. Yeah. So oh, I'll yeah. I, I, I like Scotch ales. I've yeah. just never had one with fruit in it. There you so. go. Well, I appreciate Like, we <laughs> yeah. all appreciate you taking the time, showing us around, telling us your story. My pleasure. Giving us awesome beers. This has been great. This has been yeah. super fun. Well, I like I like sharing it. I like I live my life a little bit like a hermit in the dark brewery, never seeing the light of day. And it's fun once in a while to show it off a little. Yeah. <laughs> to actually talk to people. Well, you work hard. Yeah. You should be able to talk about the hard work you do. Well, I'm proud of it. Yeah. And you've you know, should be. And I think everybody, I hope everybody who works here is proud of it. I yeah. think they are. Yeah. It should be. Paul, we appreciate yeah. you having us. Absolutely. It's, it's so gratifying for- to be here. Like, it's so cool. And it still tastes just It's as still good. so good. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. And now that we know it's here. I know. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks again, Paul, for the incredible talk and the always delicious brews. And hey, if you ever need a welder, you know who to call. And thanks again to everyone listening along. We have one more episode to go before our break, so make sure to follow us on Instagram at BruiseRockPod to keep up with us. Until next time, you better be taking care of those bartenders. We'll see you at the bar. <laughs>